Buenos Nachos, amigos. Welcome to Record Breakers, the uh, podcast. I'm giving you the finger guns. The podcast of music sharing and caring, and uh, and of of love and tenderness, and I, I don't know what else. I don't know where I was going for that. Uh, I'm Peter Rave, your man with no plan, as you as you can plainly see. Uh, here with me, as always, is my crew, my round table of friends that share music with each other. We've got Brett. It's what plants crave. We've got Drew. Hey. And we've got Patrick. You're getting good at pointing, Petey. I, I'd like to commend you at your pointing skills. You're, you're yeah. getting better. It's, it's yes. top notch now. Yes. Uh, I've got my pointer fingers on. Your finger uh, guns. Pew, pew, pew. Uh, we're here to talk about music, of course. We're talking about some things. Uh, the provider of the music this week, uh, the one sharing music with us is Patrick. Patrick, what do you got for us this week? Um, I am taking a swerve into, uh, an album that I loved in high school and college with, uh, the psychobilly Danish sounds of, uh, necromantics in their album, Dead Girls Don't Cry. Swerve. Uh, yes. Very, very interesting album, uh, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, let's, let's talk about some expectations. Uh, I'll start with Brett. Brett, what expectations did you have coming into this album? Well, let's take a trip back in time. I was in tech school to learn how to build hot rods in 2004. So, uh, and, and I was living that punk rock life. Uh, I, I, let's say I, I was blasted with greaser culture of the early 2000s in a way that most people are not um and i can't say that i was really into it i kind of disliked it the whole cooked up 50s aesthetic that never actually existed it's kind of revisionist history and it always robbed me the wrong way and i i my opinion was that you could take your flat black lead sled and go lucky strikes your pbr back to pomade town but uh i you know I was looking forward to listening to this album because I never actually got past the shitheads in the scene to listen to the music bob that they were into. Um, and uh, years and years later, it, it, it may be a different taste. <laughs> uh, Drew, what were your expectations coming into this album? Um, oddly enough, his opinions on these guys are the same that I had with, like, trance and techno we'll see if my the drugs are cooler in trance and techno that's okay fair point taken but um no this was uh, for me this is one of those ones that um it would be a uh, soft pitch we'll say that <laughs> before we get into it mm-hmm. uh patrick how would you describe this album musically what would be the themes elements that caught your attention I mean that that we would bring up. I'm I'm gonna do something I rarely do and describe the genre. Uh, Psychabilly <laughs> is basically uh, take rockabilly and like kind of early punk, mash that shit together. But it's not like real rockabilly. It's like Stray Cats rockabilly because it's Which much more real modern. rockabilly. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's rockabilly adjacent, but like sped the fuck up and you know turn the gain on the amps up. Uh, 
but you know, it, it's, it takes a lot of that, that sound. Um, instead of using an electric bass that goes sideways, they use an upright bass. And a bass. Yeah. So a Sorry. traditional double bass as it were. Um, and, and it has a very, uh, percussive sound because they basically are are you know plucking it so it's slapping off the neck of it every time so you get a very percussive bass sound uh sometimes at an alarming speed which is sort of impressive if you've ever fucked around with an upright bass for more than 30 seconds (laughs) were they using actual bass strings or were they using like weed whacker line like um i'm gonna guess these were probably bass strings but yeah maybe I mean, maybe it, maybe it was the weed rocker line when they were using like an actual child's coffin and not like yes. making the coffin base to sound reasonably acoustically good. Uh, and, but, you know, whatever. And, and another thing that is not uh, exclusive to it's not the all psychobilly, but a lot of psychobilly has sort of that misfits horror movie thing going on where everything's a little macabre and creepy. And these people really, really, really like like. 50s horror movies and shit so you you have kind of that especially in this band and several others um but i had a i had a period in late high school and early college where i was into psychobilly and then i went to a psychobilly show and it was fun except for all the skinheads and not the fun kind if uh, yeah yeah uh (laughs) there's there's the skinheads who just skank in the pit and then there's the other kind of skinheads and there were just a few too many of them there and that sort of soured me on the whole genre drew is typing up his angry email right now (laughs) well i'm i i recognize that there are two kinds he 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 definitely pointed out that like there's there's a okay actual skinhead who are not the pissy nazis like it's it's a definite difference between like the og skinheads from england just listening to some of them were shitty too well some of them were shitty but like that that's a whole different subculture in england just being pissed at certain groups of people yeah. Namely, like, those from Pakistan, but that was like the entire group, not just them, and they weren't yeah. like going out killing people about it. But that's yeah. <laughs> Drew's yeah. history lesson for today. Um, let's there's move a, on. there's a weird amount of overlap between psychobilly people and a certain kind of ska people in that sort of skinhead sense. Uh, I blame Tim Armstrong. Uh, I, but, I blame so, the idea of the good old days. Yeah, yeah. I, and there's I a little bit of Brian that. Setzer. <laughs> yes, Brian Setzer. It's all your fault. Um, I blame. I, so, I, I too blame revisionist history nostalgia. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But Gold I think I think the ultimate, like, ultimately, you end up with kind of a fun genre. On top of everything else, these guys are Danish, uh, so they have slightly weird accents and occasionally fucked up English, and I find that amusing. And it's a first it's for record breakers. like the great history of danish rock bands yes Uh, including um the other one Uh, (laughs) um yeah yeah it couldn't have been better um notable danish rock bands uh king diamond okay okay that that's that's notable that's about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'm just I'm looking. I'm uh, excuse me while I look at like Wikipedia. Oh, there's, uh, there's also Danish, the Danish there's musician Wikipedia claims Lars Ulrich as their own, which means we don't have to deal with them anymore. So if you're sick, uh, of those, there's also Volbeat. Yeah. 
There's a whole Wikipedia page dedicated to Danish bands, so of which there are also... none that are considered popular music. Yeah, I mean, like, there, there's it's... some there's some ones with buzz. Like you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna exclusively bring Danish albums from now yes. on. <laughs> Horror pops had a hit. Merciful fate. <laughs> yeah, merciful fate. I, I lived in a house where that was played a lot. So, uh, Mew, uh, not just a Pokemon. Oh, oh, sorry. I, I was familiar with that one. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we, we have a we have a, a band from a from a slightly weird place for for crossover, somewhat famous in the U.S. music, and uh, it's also kind of weirdly uh, rockabilly, but crank the fuck up. Uh, but yeah, Brett, what would be the themes elements that caught your attention on this album? Well, this album was recorded like a punk rock album. If you find out where this record this was recorded or who published it. Not a big surprise. Uh, the guitars are kind of lo-fi and like they've got that shrill, tri- chimey, like high, high-end, uh, like almost brittle-sounding um, tone to it. Kind of almost like surf. Um, they do use sort of a surf reverb and the modulation that like the, your tremolos and your your vibratos and whatnot, straight out of you know that type of sound aesthetic. Um, a lot of spring reverb. Uh, the licks aren't going to rock your world if you've owned a Mel Bay blues theory book, but, uh, you know, it's that you, you don't come in here expecting, you know, hot licks because uh, unfortunately in the genre, you're going to kind of be stuck with blues and swing progressions. That's kind of how rock and roll music works in general. But for this specific genre, especially music in the fifties, uh, that you're pulling from, yeah, you're going to be pulling mostly 12 bar blues, uh, two, five ones and, like st- squiggles will come on sometime and explain all that to you guys. But, um, the bass guitar, yes, it's, it's turned sideways and it's big and it's fat. Uh, don't expect Charlie Mingus. Um, but the bass does walk. It's percussive and it adds depth when you're, when you've got the drums that are very minimalist in variety, there's a whole lot of kick and snare and a whole lot of hi hat and cymbals, but it, it, there's not a whole lot of Tom work going on. Um, so having a uh, the thump 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 uh, walking around all the time adds something to it um, where the drums aren't able to. Um, the problem that I had is the mix kind of sucks. You can't hear the the bass very well, um, and it's kind of muddy. Uh, that could be the the cut that I heard, which was straight from Spotify. Um, but uh, you know, it it it, it was really uh, noticeable when. Uh, when when I'll, I'll bring up here in a second, I, when I came into this album, I was wondering because there are things in in, in rockabilly music in general where uh, there there's some tropes, and one of those is the froggy smoker smoker voice polyped out like uh, vocal cords, uh, somebody singing, and I was waiting, am I going to get this in this album? And I did, but you could barely hear it, uh, um, and I was I was kind of let down. Um, you know, this isn't fine art, but you don't come in here expecting fine art. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure seeing this in, in a basement punk club would be great. Um, but you know, album wise, this didn't really, this isn't a, a, a tour de force of, of virtuoso musicians. This is, this is a whole lot of feel. Yeah. Uh, Drew, what would be the themes elements that caught your attention? Well, the thing about this, and like I said, this is kind of softball for me. Cause I, I sort of dig, uh, the Necromantics. 
uh, as a bass player, their basses to me with the upright coffin bass that he does play. That, like I said, was actually originally made with the children's uh, coffin until they realized, like, hey, maybe we should make this not sound like a pile of garbage. Um, which probably a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> most of the time, it's not sounding like garbage is a good thing for a musician. Exactly. Um, and the fact that upright bass has been said so many times and we don't talk about the fact that yeah, it's shaped like a coffin. If you don't know what you're getting into with the lyrics side of this, um, you're missing the entirety of it to like, not the entirety of it, but like that's bassist (laughs) to the teeth. Like these guys took that like misfits like eighties thing and like cranked it to eleven and put some palmade in their pompadour and went with it, um, which I think is kind of hilarious to me, just as a human being. Um, yeah, the mix isn't great, but the music to me is catchy enough that I can look past the bad mixes, um, like I do with a lot of like punk rock in general. It's it's something that you're getting hit a lot at a frantic pace with a mute or with a musician with an instrument that shouldn't be able to keep up and does, which I think is really commendable. The there is an underlying thud to it, and yeah, the note runs are sometimes not super pronounced because of the mix, but the thud of the bass that you sort of feel in that is a driving force, which I think is fun. And it's catchy, whereas sometimes you get punk rock and it's just manic for the sake of being manic. And it's like in your face and brash. This uses the catchiness of, say, like rockabilly music. But puts it at the punk rock pace that I find a lot more fun, which is why guys like these and the horror pops and like your Tiger Armies and like your other like those type of bands have a lot more staying power with me than, say, I'm sorry, Squiggles, but your your Brian Setzer's not including the orchestra. But, You're not just yeah. going to jump and jive and wail? <laughs> yeah, weirdly enough. like it's just, Hey, I'm not saying it's not good music. I'm just saying something about the pace of this one. It's not good for you, music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not good for regular rotation, I will say that, for me. Yeah. Jam out too. Uh, this, on the other hand, is <laughs> yeah. this is this does have a lot of fun to it, and you can definitely feel that 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 uh, sticky horror feels. I mean, you can even see it just in like the song titles uh, as we kind of transition over into the song songs themselves. Like uh, just in the song titles, you can just get an idea of what uh, what kind of uh, an album this is. But yeah, Patrick, what will be some of the key songs to zero in on? Uh, I'm gonna skip the record breakers thing and go straight to "Struck by a Wrecking Ball." Uh, it's a story song about uh, getting drunk and wrecking your car driving home. Uh, but it's um, it's got all the things I really like. Uh, the intro has got a little ambition for a punk song. There's a faded in sort of introduction. It doesn't just start, which you know makes the song maybe more than two and a half minutes long. Uh, it's got th- one of the things I really like about this band, uh, especially in this album, we've got, uh, the, I believe the Sandorf brothers were still in the band, Peter and his brother, Christian, Peter was a guitar player. 
He played some cool stuff. It isn't like Brett said, groundbreaking, but I have a soft spot. Nobody was expecting that. No, (laughs) no, but I have a soft spot in my heart for sort of bluesy early rock and roll guitar playing. I think it's fun. You know, it's lots of bendy notes, but, you know, but also some some touches of meatily meatily me's. But uh, this song's got a little bit of that. I like the uh, the vocal harmonies are really good. You've got a uh, sort of the, as Brett said, gravelly voice, Kim Necroman, you know, leading the band and playing bass. But then Peter's vocal like vocal harmonies are often a little nicer and more musically relevant. And it kind of works really well. Um, this one's got a lot of guitar stuff going on and a fun guitar solo that kind of brings it home at the end. And uh, just it's a ton of energy. It's it's a really, really driving song and uh, it's a fun one. Uh, the title track, Dead Girls Don't Cry, has uh, all sorts of fucking twang. Um, it's got a really good chorus again with fun harmonies. And one of the things I like about them, again, they're Danish. Uh, uh, English is not his uh, first language, although he's lived in America now for, you know, a decade or plus. So I'm, I'm going to guess that's changed a little bit. But uh, he's got kind of an odd delivery, and uh, sometimes uh, the phrasing doesn't make any goddamn sense to anyone who graduated from high school English classes. But it's fun because of that. It's sort of part of their charm to me. Um, and like this, in a lot of ways, minus the subject matter, is a relatively straightforward rockabilly track, but with you know the gain cranked up and everything done a lot heavier and harder. Uh, and you know, I like. I like kind of the weird, creepy as fuck vibe that that kind of goes on here and sort of throughout the album. And then uh, what's on your neighbor's barbecue? Another uh, fun uh, story song uh, that sort of, you know, you have this sort of seemingly innocuous sort of start to this talking guy wondering, like, hey, what happened to my neighbor's family? And then it's, oh, he he grilled them and ate them. And I like sort of the macabre punchline to it. And uh, the music's fun. The chorus is kind of silly. It's got some ooh going on and that's really fun and it's got this uh the tempo changes from sort of a r- relatively for this album sort of slow verse to like a full force super fast chorus and it's just a really enjoyable track mm-hmm. uh brett what would be some of the key tracks for you uh well i I, the ones that stuck out to me are, are they stuck out for very special reasons that, that may not relate to everyone. Um, Gulina, the opening. <laughs> sounds almost exactly like the title screen on Uniracers for the Super Nintendo. Like I, I almost want to, I'm not PD, I'm not asking you not to do this, but if you play them side to side, they, they will I, I'm pretty sure they're even in the same key because I was just playing Uni Racers the other day. But uh, th- this is the song where if you listen carefully, you'll hear the, the froggy voice uh, in the wee parts of the mix. Um, you know, I, I felt like I had won the musical Where's Waldo when I heard that uh, that froggy voice. But it's actually a very, very well put together song. It's poppy and it's catchy. And it's also four minutes long, so it has time to breathe. Um, noteworthy. Very noteworthy. Uh, I saw a stone with your slash my name 
is another track that uh, I wanted to talk about because you could tell that someone in the band had listened to some Motorhead. Uh, uh, the, there are there are some parts of this song that are way too close to the Ace of Spades, uh, and it is hilarious. Like it, very like I, I, yeah. I it's it's something that like if you if you listen to the two songs together, you'll be like, oh okay, I, I get that. And it's it's kind of strange because Motorhead is not even in. A, it's a genreless band. Um, it's rock and roll music, so I guess anybody could pull from it. But I was expecting more Misfits than than Lemmy, but uh, that's cool because um, you know it's that, that you could have worse inspirations for the way that you make music. The beautiful um, thing about Motorhead is they're one of the very few bands that both punk bands and metal bands will enjoy and recognize as an influence. They're one and of the few. Sixty-year-old white men. Too. Yeah, you know. But, oh yeah, I can I can get behind the Ace of Spades. Who would yeah. win in a fight is still one of the questions for the ages. A, a baseball bat or a knife. Um, but no, uh, uh, the dead moon walking. Um, this is where I want to talk about the the great use of toys. Uh, Vibra slap notice. This is a classic in the book of common sprawling. Um, if you aren't familiar with sprawling, uh, I'm a fan of strange musical toys or effects that are used sparingly, but are somehow integral to the song. Think of that the Steve Miller noise in Chromio. Uh, think of the OG sprawling that was uh, CeeLo Green had a like it was like a tap bell that some, somebody had pitch bent, so it sounded like somebody's bending the note and sounded like a, a sprawling. Uh, the vibra slap in this song really brings the room together. It is the rug that someone peed on. And I would be upset if that rug got peed on. Um, but that over like, the line, Brett. References are over the line. Well, that's fine. <laughs> fine. It's fine. Market it, dude. New shit has come to light, okay? Uh, the Vibra Slap is one of the, the greatest percussion toys in the world, hands down. And I was happy that they employed it in this band that was generally minimalist in their recording. I, I like to think you you can put everything in the world on it all the time, but a sparing use of a, a small percussive toy can can like make it click with you. Yeah. And, and you know there are other really good songs on this album. There's also like a a long stretch of there is some filler at the at the tail end that I <laughs> but you know uh, overall uh, there are some there is some good stuff going on in here, but uh, I'd like to. You know, I, I wanted to sort of poke my direction into the weirder spots. Yeah. Uh, Drew, what would be some of the key tracks for you? Um, well, first, we have to go to me. Um, since nobody else did it, I'm going to do the intro, but I'm going to do it in a weird way. Because Black Wedding into uh, Backstage uh, Past the Hell, to me, was something that was really cool. They started out exactly like a goddamn B-grade horror movie. Like, you expect, like, a lightning or, like, a thunder sound effect. You expect that to hit, right? Um, but you don't. You just get that single note guitar, a little bit of chanting, and then the drums drop in. And then, oh, by the way, guys, hey, uh, we're going to transition into backstage uh, past the hell. It's going to be a fast-paced manic punk rock song, and that's going to be okay. And you're going to, like, that's going to just hit you right in the eardrums and be like, oh, hey, by the way, it's going to be an album that's going to be a little bit all over the place for the good, and it's going to be all right. Everyone knows my, if you're going to name the album the song, 
let that song be good. Um, don't let it fail. And I think this one is one of the quintessential ones of that working out really well. Um, there's like a dancey groove to it. Um, it's one of those songs that like I hear it when I'm like driving or when I'm like walking or something like that. And if I hear it come on, it makes me feel cooler than I actually am sort of thing, which I think is okay. Um, it's one of those songs that like easily fits into like a, a get me excited about a situation or like pump me up sort of song, which I think is cool. And then uh, Dead by Dawn, which I'm going to count as the last song on this album because the last song on this album is 31 minutes of basically Black Wedding. Um, so this track is starting the or ending the album in a way that was sort of like the backstage pass from hell. It was it was jangly rockabilly guitar, fast paced slap bass on a giant stand up. And that's what you're going to get. And I think that that sort of encapsulates what the necromantics are is fun, crazy, fast music. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that is kind of like what you could basically sum up, uh, necromantics, uh, as, you know, the, that crap, manic, crazy, fun, uh, fun, catchy music with, uh, with, uh, with that kind of the horror theme funness, uh, I will say that that uh, uh, did somebody actually listen to the last track all the way through? Because I, I I may have skimmed through it. <laughs> I yeah I I I just I, yeah the slide like, was being moved. I was okay. like, is there going to be a part where like it's that weird Al album that like screams at you at the end, like after a little bit of silence? I you know I always wonder when they put weird tracks at the end of albums. Like, yeah, it was that thing of like I was sitting there like just not sort of thinking about it, just just listening to the record through, and it got to that track, and I'm like, I said, okay, I'm gonna make an honest shot to sit through the entirety of this weirdness just to see like what they do with it, and I think I got three minutes in, and I was like, no, I'm not. No. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. I get it. I was like I, I just skimmed through. I was like, all right, I get it. <laughs> Back to the beginning. Uh, but yeah. Uh, let's bring it back around the horn uh, for some conclusive thoughts. Uh, Brett, what would be your conclusion on this album? This album's fine. Uh, it's it's a novelty. Um, and that really shouldn't discount it. For you know, it there's effort and execution. Um, in all novelty acts. Um, I don't think I'll be revisiting it anytime soon. It, it certainly isn't the worst album I've heard, but it's uh, it's not even worse than some albums that I've brought to make you guys listen to. Um, it is better than Hulk Rules. I'm sorry to myself and everybody out there, but this is an okay album, and I can't go on an episode. I can't go an episode without bringing up Hulk Rules. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, but but Hulk uh, Rules is a great record. You, you, you know, you head. could you could say. Hulk rules sometimes only in very small amounts when he's saying, whoops, there it is. But, um, this album is (laughs) not my thing and, uh, it doesn't have to be. And I'm glad that I finally got to experience it, uh, and did not have to deal with a bunch of the shitheads in, in the scene to, uh, to enjoy it. Um, and I, I would advise others to go out even, even if you don't 
think you're into this kind of stuff, at least listen to it. That way, when you can argue with people about how you don't like it, you have something to refer to. Yeah. Uh, Drew, what will be your conclusion on this album? Like I said, uh, I'm a fan of the novelty that is these uh, types of psychobilly bands, your your horror pops and your necromantics and whatnot. I think it's, one, you can't take the, oh, this song is about the occult, seriously. Like, that, it's hilarious. It's fucking funny. Like, if you're one of those people, shut up. Um, but still listen to our podcast, because we still enjoy your numbers. Um, but yeah, I, I care so much about how many people listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. Um, but thank you anyway. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things that I, I enjoy the sound and the necromantics are one of the bands. Like I said, that I always come back to the horror pops. I don't go back to as much. It's mostly like if it, if it's not like something crazy, like the Reverend Horton, I'm going back to like Tiger Army, the necromantics and stuff like that. So it's, these guys to me have the compositional chops that even in their like earlier Hellcat stuff, it's still things that are worth listening to. Whether it's your cup of tea or not, I can't tell you. I just know. Sometimes I need something that's just fun and goofy and makes me kind of want want to dance a little bit. And this is that music to a T to me. Yeah, this is definitely that music. It's fun, it's goofy, uh, it's catchy, uh, it's novel. Uh, that is definitely kind of how you one would best sum it up. Uh, Patrick, what would be your conclusion on this album? What? What? Uh, you're not alone. You're not alone, Petey. Okay. We can't hear a word he's saying. <laughs> Let's just uh, just keep moving your mouth and we'll make yes. work. Yeah, Sorry. this album is okay, <laughs> but it's... <laughs> so I think I'm lucky in that I was not introduced to this genre or band by people in the quote-unquote scene that Brett was. I went to... A, I've seen Tiger Army and a German band who were kind of contemporaries with this band called Madsen one time. Uh, and that's where I... Uh, realized that um yeah nazi punks fuck off uh but it's not what that's about but yes but this uh this was uh this is fun i i like like the genre is it is a bit of a novelty but it's also pretty enjoyable you know there's 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 you know four or five real uh quality practitioners of it and a whole lot of Stuff that isn't quite as good, but I think Necromantics are one of the good ones. Them, Tiger Army, uh, Reverend Horton Heat, who somehow didn't come up in all of this. And uh, if you want to go real old school, the Meteors. Reverend uh, Horton Heat is a very weirdly different thing. They're way yes, more traditional like, yeah. rockabilly, but they're considered a psychabilly band. But they're <laughs> they're closer they take, to they take they're closer, the more punk edge from yeah. psychabilly, but maybe yeah. not the they're closer to to like the meteors and the cramps than they are to this. Yes, genres are stupid. Yes, but how else do you describe what the fuck this is? By listening to it. Yeah, <laughs> like like we just did for the last. 30 yes. whatever minutes but um this is like to me like it's nice when an album that came out you know more than a decade ago and you bought it more 
than a decade ago, and yet you somehow still listen to it. I think that's a sign that it's pretty good. Um, at least, you know, I know I know my musical tastes are always a question, but I think this is this is a fun uh, example of the genre and has its has its charms. Uh, you know, it, it leave out some of the some of the culture associated with it that's both good and bad. I like hot rods. I don't necessarily think it should be the 1950s again, although some of the hairstyles were fun. Uh, but this is fun. It's well played. Um, upright bass is cool, and I feel like uh, feel like we're we're primed for that uh, that instrument to find a place in a another modern rock genre. I don't know where we get like, like upright bass and jazz. Metal. I, I'm saying in a more popular focused rock focused genre. Swing it's, revival revival. Yeah, <laughs> swing revival revival. The, yes. Yeah. Oh God! The reviving, <laughs> the reviving. Yes, uh, but this this is fun. Go listen to it. If you hate it, that's okay. But you might like it. And if you do, go listen to Tiger Army, especially their first record. Uh, the Meteors' first record's really good, and Reverend Horton Heat's first record's fun. Not Nick Thirteen did a so, country album, which I'm going. Of course he did. <laughs> that's what happens to all punks is they turn alt country at some point in their lives. Well, is Snoop Dogg on any of his tracks? Because I'll listen to that. <laughs> was Snoop Dogg on an alt country record? Well, this is getting way off into the no, weeds, but yeah, now I'm, I need to know. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about that Willie Nelson track that they did. Because, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not old country, just country. Got it. I'm trying to remember who <laughs> those two guys that were that were doing that were doing country shows, but they used to be like in metal or punk bands. It's oh, there are high. many. Yeah. There are so many. It's it's a it's a it's an easy route to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. it, it used to be the joke that that guys in late '90s hardcore bands always ended up doing alt country. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Mike Ferrero from MXPX did an alt country. Right? <laughs> no, not just wow. the fans doing it. Wow, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we, okay. maybe I need to bring Pocanatra on the show. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but Let's before see. we get into the too many uh, alt country tangents. Uh, we're not going to be talking about Mama or Trains or Getting Drunk uh, or Prison. Or all of them at the same time. Uh, we're going to continue talking about uh, the Necromantics. Uh, and this time, we're going to talk about it in, in a poetic form with our haiku reviews. Uh, the main, ev- main event of the evening are haiku reviews. Uh, we sum it all up in poetic form. Uh, let's get started. Uh, Brett, what is your haiku? A sub-subgenre with a revised take. I blame the stray cats. <laughs> a feline Casanova. Yeah. Uh, Drew, what is your haiku? Easy to spot them with the coffin base and hair. Always a fun time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got my haiku. Uh, novel catchy tunes. That are perfect for your next Halloween party. Uh, Halloween last... party. I'm going to use that again. I'm going to use Halloween party in a haiku in the future. <laughs> uh, Patrick, what is your haiku? Some Danish fellows. Some macabre psychobilly. Something I still love. Yes. Uh, you can, of course, find this album at your local party city. I mean, at Sp- our Spotify playlist. Uh, play Record Breakers the home game. 
uh, follow along at home. Do your do your do your due diligence. Do your homework. Uh, on that Spotify playlist, presumably, uh, possibly, uh, is going to be next week's album, next week's record. Uh, that's provided by Brett. Brett, what do you got for us next week? I'm going to do what I've said I was going to do forever. I'm going to bring in a Grammy Award-nominated children's album, and they might be giants. Here comes science. Yes. <laughs> uh, so let's look a forward to A hot banger. Th- you can listen banger. to it with your family. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can, of course, uh, look forward to that next week. But that's next week, and this is this week. Uh... Roll them up. Uh, um, what is it? Start them up, uh, Squiggles. You can, of course, find us all over Roll the internet. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Yeah. Uh, you can, of course, find us all over the internet. Uh, Patrick is at the swagger. Brett is at HibbyDeBeerBird, H I B B I T Y B I B B A R D. Drew is at X2SuperX. I'm at PD Rave. The show is at Four Record Breakers. That's the number four Record Breakers. Recordbreakerspodcast.com, recordbreakerspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to email us, rebelli.net for this and other shows, Rebelli TV on YouTube, on other places, you know, do the things, subscribe, like, share, uh, follow along, give us reviews, do, you know, all the things. Until next time, hasta los huevos. Dead people, dead people, dead people. I went through this whole this whole album review without bringing up that that there is only one song allowed to be about necrophilia, and that's TSOL's Code Blue. <laughs> it doesn't get more disgusting or offensive or better executed than that. Well said. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>